Oh, tequila. How I love you. Well, I hope you never ever go away. I don't think this is the lyrics. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Cops and then immediately record our thoughts and post them on the internet for your listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I am enjoying <laughs> the air conditioning on a nice hot summer Chicago day. Yes, indeed. Uh, same Z's. I am enjoying the air conditioning on a hot summer day as well. Um, and a drink? Yes, and a drink. Nice. Um, te- tequila. Tequila. Um, yes, indeed. Tequila Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> Did you and, have to read uh, that book in high school? Did we talk about this? Oh, yeah, I read Tequila Mockingbird okay. in high school. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The little Harper Lee classic. Um, yeah, and then we actually watched the movie in class, too. Did you I watch the movie in class? I feel like I've seen the movie, and I'm trying to remember if it was because of class or not. It must have been. Yeah. I love that even though he loses the case, all the minorities, you know, all the black people stand for uh, Atticus. Yeah, walking back in the courtroom, just like as a respect and a thank you for trying to help that young man. And you know, people also stand when the bride's walking down the aisle in a (laughs) wedding. God damn it! And that's what we have. We have twenty-seven dresses. There's twenty-seven standing occasions here. Oh my god. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I'm sitting here since the get-go, like waiting to see where you pull this out of your ass. Uh, I'll admit, I was lost when you started going to kill a mockingbird. I'm like, I don't know how to do it. I knew it. I knew that through it. I knew it. I heard it in your voice. Your tone changed. You're like, oh, shit, I got to scramble. I didn't know. I, I didn't know where it was going to come from, but it came. And you did it well, sir. You did it well. Thank you. You know, stuck the landing. And when people stand, they usually look at the bride, but I like to look at the groom. Oh, for fuck's sake! And see his face. <laughs> oh my God, I love to do the same thing too. Ha ha! Anyway, so <laughs> um, twenty-seven dresses is a an American film. Let's get right into the stats. Let's just Let's do get it. it. Let's do it. Uh, 27 Dresses is a 2008 American romantic comedy film directed by Ann Fletcher. Pop quiz, what other movie did Ann Fletcher direct? Ooh. I'll give you a hint. It was after this film. And we have covered it. We have? Yes. It was after this film, and we've covered it. What year was this? Uh, This movie came out in 2008. 2008. 27 Dresses came out in 2008. Uh... No strings attached. Incorrect. Damn it. The correct answer is the proposal. Oh, I can see Dan that. Dan Fletcher directed the proposal. And it's written by Aline Brosh McKenna, who's uh, 
originally she was born in France. She graduated from Harvard, and the film she wrote before this film was a little-known success called The Devil Wears Prada. This was her film after The Devil Wears Prada. You know, I don't think I've heard of that. <laughs> she uh, also co-created the uh, show uh, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, on the CW, uh, which found success as well. Oh, yeah. I vaguely remember that one. Yeah. Uh, the film, 27 Dresses, though, stars Catherine Heigl and James Marsden. Uh, it was released in Australia first on January 10th. Australia. And then it opened in the United States on January 18th. And the uh, alongside Catherine Heigl and James Marsden, there's uh, Malin Ackerman, Judy Greer, and Edward Burns. Ed Burns gets the ant. He's the fourth filling? Or the ant? He gets the ant, yes. Why? (laughs) (laughs) You want me to read you my last note that I wrote? Yes, absolutely. Ed Burns, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Why him? (laughs) (laughs) So we'll get into that. All right. right. (laughs) Um, Glad I'm on the same page with you there. Yeah, uh, running time for this film. <laughs> Do you have a can you venture a guess? I admit I cheated on this one. 111 uh, minutes. That is correct. You finally cheated, you son of a bitch. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, and the budget of the film was $30 million. How much did it make in the box office? Uh, 120 mil. Not too far off, a hundred and sixty and some change. Oh, okay. So one sixty point six, I believe, is what it was. I I went off that page. Um, but yes, it made over five times its budget. So that is a fantastic success, especially for a January movie. But yeah. granted, not too far from, uh, you know, Valentine's Day and stuff like that. But still. Plus, $30 million is still pretty good price for... Pretty substantial amount of money that they invested in this film, I agree. You would say it's substantial? Yes. I would say um, for, for what it is, I would expect it to be more. I mean, in 2008, like, rom-coms were already on like the decline as far as budgets are concerned. So, in, in general, rom-coms, like... 50 mil was considered oh so you're you're saying it was risky of them to that was that was more than they should have risked well I, yeah i'm saying like it was just a lot of money was invested in this film because i mean if you look at the proposal the proposal i believe was made for about 50 mil um how, how to lose a guy in 10 days was made for 50 mil um but like my big fat greek wedding was made for five i know it was an indie film but still like there's you can see the range of budgets in these films. So like 30 to 50 mil is considered a big budget rom right. even though compared to like Marvel films or other films, well, that's yeah. not nearly the same amount of budget, but 30 to 50 mil is a big budget rom-com. So they, I, I they was bet- just, I was just saying, it seems like it would have been from the movie. I would have expected it to be more actually. Cause like yeah, with all I mean, the, the wedding props and the venues yeah. and like all the dresses and shit, and a couple of high, New York. yeah, New York, couple, uh, big, you know, big build actors. Well, 
they were a big build, but I don't necessarily think that they were expensive at the time. I feel like they were just coming up, so like they had enough name recognition, but like I don't think necessarily that they were garnering the same amount of money that say like a even like a like a Paul Rudd or you know someone no. on that level. Don't have- tell that to Catherine Heigl that she's not on that level. <laughs> uh, yeah, from <laughs> that's always been the report about her. She's got a high opinion of herself. Um, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, out of 151 critic reviews, what percentage has it gotten on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, I don't know, 32 percent. 40 percent. Okay. So, yeah, it wasn't exactly like, you know, universally uh, loved by critics. A lot of critics thought it was uh, well a well-worn, cliche uh, rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can see. Uh, like, one article, which technically was a bad review, but uh, did have this quote. The redeeming thing, and it's really all in Heigl's performance, is that Jay knows she's a silly cliche and spends most of the movie inwardly wincing at her own haplessness. And that's from Tim Roby of the Daily Telegraph in the UK. Hmm. Um. <laughs> and then there's a... <laughs> There's another bad one from Wendy Eyed, also in the UK. Uh, she gave it two out of five. Whatever. I don't. It doesn't necessarily say stars, but uh, she wrote the story requires an antagonist. So Jane's sister is painted as a monster for most of the film. At the end, however, she is reshaped as Jane's close friend and confidant. The film's credibility crumbles like stale wedding cake. So. Okay, that's, you know, I, I would say a minor-ish aspect of the movie that you uh, chose to focus on. Minor, yeah, extremely minor-ish and not at all the case. Uh, and then... Also not uh, the plot of the film, which you completely ignored yeah. in your reviews. So. I mean, well, this is just one line out of, you know, the whole entire review. I'm not reading the whole review. Oh, okay. Uh, and then Anna Smith of Time Out gave it three out of six, but it's considered a good review on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't get it. Uh, but uh, the review says, Hops along merrily enough, thanks to an engaging turn from Heigl, who's nailed the unusually pretty girl next door act while embracing physical and risque comedy. So. Okay. Those are the Rotten Tomatoes things. Let's start there with Catherine Heigl. She, this is a star vehicle for Catherine Heigl. And this is also the first movie that we watch, as you've mentioned in previous, like, uh, previous podcasts. And this is, you know, our first Catherine Heigl experience. Um, it seems like she's been in more rom-coms than she really has been. But yeah, just let's start with just initial thoughts. What are your initial thoughts of Captain Hagel just in general? Not necessarily even in this film. Um, I think when I, when I first started seeing her movies, I liked her. I thought she was, I, I thought like, like that review said, she was a great typical, like cute girl next door kind of vibe. Um, 
And I liked a couple of the movies she was in. They were like, you know, easy to easily digestible. They were just simple, fun films. Although now I can't even think of very many off the top of my head. <laughs> so they were very forgettable films. But uh, then like, then I remember like a bunch of stuff coming out about her, how her demeanor on set was and her, you know, need for attention and money and everything. And I don't know. I, I never really looked at her the same way after that. And I think, you know, kind of just tapered off from seeing any of her movies until this one. I, I don't think I've seen a Catherine Heigl movie in probably better half a decade. Yeah. I mean, the, for Catherine Heigl, I, I, like I heard those same like rumblings and everything else like that, and like reports of, you know, the whole like her time on Grey's Anatomy, um, you know, the fact that she left that show is, yeah. Is that what I it was know. because of? I I don't know if it was because of that or what it was, but like I, I mean, the show's still going on, and she's been off of it for a long time, and you know, it's just I. I don't know what the story is exactly with her. I just know know of the rumblings and the rumors and what people say about right. her and everything else like that. For me, I just always felt like she was solid. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and really her first, like, her two kind of, you know, lead female roles before this that i'd seen her in was the ringer in 2005 don't judge me i like jackass and so i watched a johnny knoxville movie once um <laughs> not not a good movie don't ever watch it um and i don't remember her any i just see it on her filmography but I, that makes sense that she was the love uh <laughs> the the love what's the fucking word interest Love interest. There you go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Tequila. And, yeah. And then uh, la- the year before this film, she was the star in Knocked Up. So Right. And yeah, Knocked Up. Um, I mean, I loved that movie when it came out. And that's a movie we could still technically do for this uh, podcast. But with Knocked Up, I saw that multiple times in theaters. And it was not necessarily because I was like, I love it so much. I want to go see it again. It was more of a, I went and saw it. I liked it. I had friends who hadn't seen it before. I was like, I'll go with you. I liked it. And so I saw it like on four or five different occasions. Friends. Mm. Uh, so I haven't seen knocked up since I kind of got my fill. Um, yeah. But um, it was, uh, it was what Catherine Heigl said about that film after the fact that was kind of off putting where I believe she mentioned in an interview that her role in that film was kind of a nag. <laughs> like it was written as kind of a nag. And she was like, I, I wish she wasn't as much of a nag in the film. <laughs> like, and it was just like, Oh, you know, that's like, and a lot of people just kind of were like, Oh, well, how could you bite the hand that feeds? And it's like, nah, that's, that's, I guess, you know, that's totally yeah. valid. Yeah. At the same time, there is a bit of a, I mean, you already made the film. It's already made money. You've already gained a start, the accolades from it. 
to talk shit about it now is just going to leave a bad taste in anyone's mouth, regardless right. of whether it's valid or not. It's, so that's just kind of the Catherine Heigl vibe off the screen. <laughs> it's just like, I get it, but that's kind of off-putting. <laughs> like, you know, just she's she's pretty, but like not pretty enough to where the off-putting stuff doesn't take an effect. <laughs> um, so, but nonetheless, in this film, though, I found her to be fantastic. Yeah. Know, she was she was solid in this. Yeah. She was very likable. I just the the immediate setup of mother passed away, the dad not knowing how to take care of his his two girls and like the whole just how quickly they set up her character within a 2 minute narrator read and showing little kids just acting out this little vignette in a wedding. Yeah. You immediately know who she is as a person you immediately know what has caused her to be where she's at and you immediately know what she has to overcome in order to get her ending at the end you know they did they did do a decent job of character development elsewhere in the movie too i thought character development in the movie was actually pretty solid like for especially for a rom-com where we've both complained about that in plenty of others yeah and uh, and I did read, uh, you know, much like with my best friend's wedding, 27 Dresses was another film that Entertainment Weekly had a reunion of last year. And so I read the interview for that. And Catherine Heigl mentioned that she felt very similar to Jane in the whole being a people pleaser mm. and everything else like that. And I think that shows in the in the performance because she does a really good job of constantly putting other people's needs in front of hers and 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 then like just that you can see it bursting out the scenes um, and to the point that it it's self-detrimental that it you know it starts yeah. harming your own life and then the worst part is is you don't even see it harming your own life half the time yeah you just continue to do it yeah and that's such like such a great way to put it because you know she's doing she's being quote unquote selfless to all these friends that she's helped out in their weddings and everything else like that. And then her reward in karmically if from the universe is that her younger sister comes in and immediately gets engaged to the crush and love of her life, George. Right. And it's just like, that's like the universe and karma kind of saying, yeah, everything you're doing right now, ain't it chief. Like you need <laughs> to figure out another way to live your life. And this is just, you know, the world saying you're not, you're not in as good a place as you think you are. And, and in that situation, how many, like, I, I know I would, my first instinct would be to sit there and go, are you serious right now? Like, how is all of this happening to me? Mm -hmm. And that's always the error in your thinking. Like, like you can't, you can't sit there and be like, you know, what am I doing or no, you're not even asking what you're doing. You're asking like, why is the universe treating me like this? You're not mm-hmm. asking the important questions, which is what what can I do to change this situation? Yes. <laughs> which yes. I feel like she did really well. Like she could have easily just been like, oh my God, why is all this happening to me? But she didn't. She was actually, well, I don't know if it's better, but she was kind of blind to it <laughs> all. <laughs> 
<laughs> until uh, what's his name came along. Um, so Kevin Doyle, Kevin AKA Doyle, Malcolm, played yeah. by James Marsden. Let's we'll we'll get back to Captain Heigl. We'll get back into aspects of the film, but James Marsden. I love him. I fucking <laughs> love him. He's, he's a so lovable good. dude. He's so good at everything he does. I just it like I like I just completely understand the attract the physical attraction to him from anyone who's physically attracted to him. He's a good looking dude. Did you just, did you ever see Westworld? I have not seen Westworld. He's in that and he is so fucking likable. It, it's it's <laughs> It, like that show is so confusing, but he was like the emotional anchor of the whole show. It was just like every time he was on screen, you're like, oh, oh, I feel safe now. <laughs> and I just feel like he still looks the same. And yeah. 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 He's yeah. He was. Uh, so he's 46, I believe. Huh. So in this, uh, he was he was 34. What? I know. He was 34 in this film. He was literally two years older than us right now. No, wait. No, that, that math is not right. Really? Wait, really? Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. No. Yeah. That's wow. 12 years. So, yeah. All right. I mean, you can kind of now see the 46-year-old now that I look at a picture of him, but still. Still. Like he's just well, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he's aged well. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, glad we could sit here and uh, in a <laughs> professional way describe our crushes on on this. Guy. Our man crushes on James, James yeah. Marsden, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Kevin Doyle's concerned, though, I mean, I've I've been critical before of males trying to write female characters and not doing well enough before i'll and i'll slightly provide a, a, just the tiniest demerit to the writing in this film of kevin doyle's character i think kevin doyle is fantastic i think james marsden is fantastic and as the romantic lead to the main character it's just everything you want from a rom-com lead i get all of that but I also think, like, like any sort of character development that you get out of Kevin Doyle is just an off one line. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, why? You know, why is he so cynical about love, and why does he hate? Right. So probably because he got married, and da, 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 da. and then oh, two quick sentences about it, and then well, how about let's go register some ugly shit for Tess? That's like that's how that's we get true. away. That's true. That's very and true. It's just like. And, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, they gave a little bit, but, you know, I mean, they, they kept it where they wanted to keep it, which was on the main character as far as the focus. Um, so, uh, as I said, just the slightest of merit there. Like I mean, just it, give it, a little more attention to the development of Kevin Doyle, but at the same time, you know. If if anything, if I've learned anything from doing this podcast and seeing all these rom-coms in such a condensed period of time, it's that I want to see a rom-com that's written by a man and a woman 
who are in a relationship. <laughs> I mean, the closest thing we've gotten is when Harry met Sally, and we saw how that went. Yeah. Exactly. It, well, like, and I mean, and that was a deep friendship. We actually also saw one not too long ago. If you remember, the wedding planner was written by a guy and a girl who were in a relationship when they wrote the first draft, and then they had broken up but kept writing it together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which may or may not have explained That's... why we both killed that film. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was an example. So you gave both sides of the spectrum exactly. as examples. <laughs> yeah. Of like a deep friendship that was, you know, deeply affecting. Where and, we were, where we married yeah. the movie. Yeah, where we married the movie, and then you know, a horror, a relationship that had dissolved after a first draft, and then it turned into a horrible movie because they made future drafts. Um, yep. Yeah. So. so there's a lesson there. Yeah. Don't ever start writing something with a romantic partner. Make sure right. it's just a, a, a good friend of yours. Or, <laughs> or that the romantic partner can last longer than your script writing process. <laughs> um, I'm going to just take a quick moment. I think we can... Let's just take one to two minutes. And it's our... What's becoming almost a... You know, a recurring segment on our podcast, the Judy Greer Appreciation Minute. <laughs> uh, she's in another movie and once again has some good funny lines and after watching her performance, you're just like, yeah, I liked that. <laughs> yup, yup. <laughs> and that's all we need to say about it other than we love you, Judy Greer. We yeah. love you. We love you. She's solid every time. <laughs> every time. And like, and then when she's the moral compass after the slideshow, which was hilarious. She's like, I, if I can say it was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and then also the way she flirts with the, uh, with the other columnists at the. Oh wedding. yeah. Did you notice who he was by the way? No. He is. Um, Raul from Hitch. Do you remember Hitch's doorman that like keeps asking him for advice and keeps calling him Poppy? I think you're right on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't oh. know how I recognized it, but that's him. I'm so angry at Hollywood's casting. Right? <laughs> they, that is, oh like we just got done talking about that kind of casting result. Also, the box office is 162.6. I said 160 earlier. That was incorrect. So you bastard. We needed that too. Uh, I know. Um, yeah, totally. Like, I, I went to his filmography and that, yeah, he's Raul. Like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Hollywood? Why? Anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but back to Judy Greer. We love you. Anyway, we love on you. to the next. <laughs> uh, Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman? Malin Ackerman making her third appearance on our podcast. Okay, remember the other two? Uh, the Proposal and... Yeah. What was the other one? 
Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Malin Ackerman. What did you Malin think of her acting in this? I thought she acted very well in this film. I thought it was performed well because I hated her. I I did not like her at all. Um, I mean, it was just that it was everything you expect out of Malin Ackerman. We're just like, you know, okay, I'm going to get a really pretty girl who's going to deliver some lines. There's going to be some feeling there. It's not going to blow me away, but I'm not, but it's going to be serviceable. It's going to be solid and it's going to do what it needs to do. (laughs) That was, that's, that's what her performance was. It was just a, another <laughs> solid Malin Ackerman performance. I think I've said her name different six or seven times. In the last yeah, I, I I think I have too. Yeah, I can I, never and remember. What. I, I will continue to. She's well, she's a Swedish and Canadian descent. So yeah, therefore... I was gonna say, isn't she Swedish with like some little weird like O mark above her A? Yeah, and then like she kind of she grew up in Canada, so it's like uh, yeah. Okay, then it's yeah. She probably speaks elk. I don't know. <laughs> I think we get a pass on this one. <laughs> speaks elk. <laughs> speaks elk. Okay. Well. Yeah. You know, you got to communicate. You never know when you're going to be out in the forest with them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, thought she was, I thought she was solid. Like, I'm, I'm used to seeing her as a... Uh, more of a, I guess a little more of like the proposal character that she played. Yeah. Like that's what I'm used to seeing her as that role. So to see that, to see her play like the ditzy little sister that always gets her way. That was kind of a different character than I was used to seeing her play. And I was pleasantly surprised that she pulled it off. True. With that said, I agree. I fucking hated her. <laughs> but yep. like you said, I think you're supposed to. So she did a good job. 100%. Now let's get um, to the why. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the why. Um, so Ed Burns is in this film. He gets the and. And Ed, why? Ed, uh, just so Ed Birds is. Do you I know him? Have you seen him before? Yes, but the thing is, his career is not nearly as prolific as the respect he gets in the in like listings and like films. Like, I don't know who his agent is, but it's a good agent because like he's just. He's really starred in like one film that I liked, but it wasn't even a, a success. And it was a movie called Confidence, which was like a con film that had like Paul Giamatti and Rachel Weisz in it. Mm. And that one, it's like, it, it's completely convoluted and doesn't make any sense, but I enjoy it. It's got Dustin Hoffman in it too. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then like he was in The Holiday briefly for one scene with, you know, Cameron Diaz. And that's it. But he's listed as the actors on that film. Okay, <laughs> well, that's good to know that I'm not alone in wondering why he was yeah. listed as that. He directed The Brothers McMillan, which is an independent film from like the 90s that 
people liked as like an art house flick uh, about like just an Irish family, like Irish brothers, but uh, and, you know shit that happens or something like that. But like he directed it, he wasn't necessarily in it. And then he was one of the soldiers in Saving Private Ryan. But even then, that's one of multiple soldiers. <laughs> like, hmm. Just as much as like you know Adam Goldberg or right, or right. So, yeah. So every time he's in a film, like I get that he's you know conventionally supposed to be attractive, but he just—I've never believed he could act. He is just one guy, and it's him. Like this New York good-looking dude who's got kind of an accent. Yeah. He, okay. But he can't act that his way out of a paperback. So every time I come to the question of why him? Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, they could have casted better uh, and also could have given him the, you know, the same billing as everyone else. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Whatever. 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 He was in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was there. Uh, <laughs> so, what did you think of the actual movie? The plot. The actual. The themes. Well, the love. The everything. The I mean, beauty and the romance. I, I watched this movie, giddily. Like I was smiling. I was laughing, at the. You know, at the end when they showed, you know, Kevin Doyle looking at Jane Nichols walking down the aisle. Yeah. I I did the little, like, you know, squeal, like, hell yeah, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that. It was, uh, I, it was just a truly enjoyable experience watching this film. It was very uh, cute. Yeah. There, there are a lot of things that I just... That they did that kind of, like, I don't know, it was just like a little tiny, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, there were two slaps in this film. That caught my attention. Um, there were two? Yes. One was played for comedic effect and one was played for, you know, deserving it. Um, what was the set of the deserving one? Uh, when she slaps him at the at outside the diet. When she finds out that he wrote the article about her. Oh. Wow, I'd already forgotten about that one. Yeah. He, she slapped the shit out of him and then <laughs> walked away. Um, and then the first one was, of course, like when <laughs> uh, Casey slaps Jane to snap her out. Right. Of yeah. Yeah, I needed so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just. I mean, going back to Jane and Kevin, those two together, the chemistry between them was off the charts. Yeah. Like, Heigl and Marsden were really good together. And then those characters were played really well together. Because, you know, the whole cynical, but it's obviously like a shell, and he really does feel the same way that she does about weddings, but he's just hiding it from her and the world, really. Um but they have that very strong connection on what it is about love and relationships that they enjoy is just that they're hiding it from each other because they don't want to be vulnerable around each other because they've both been 
hurt in different ways by life's events. Right. They have right. to figure out how to get over those before they can, you know, be the people they want. Or Always a good message. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, there's, there's a lot, <laughs> like, there's a lot in the plot we could talk about here. Oh yeah. I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I don't know. I, uh, no, I, I did too. I thought it was a very enjoyable film and I was pleasantly surprised by it. I had lower expectations. Um, uh, I don't know why I just, because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. It was solid. And I thought of it as it was a great like template rom-com for the types of rom-coms that I'm used to watching. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just had all the makings of one that I'm used to. Like, you know, the bumpy starts and the rise and fall of the, of their, the growth of their relationship. And then there's conflict and then, you know, there's bonding over drinks together for they have that first night where they, you know, you bond a little bit. There's the featured song, which I wish wasn't Benny and the Jets. Why not? Because every time I hear that damn song now, it makes me think of, think of Cubs games and I have PTSD from every time <laughs> Ben Zobris came up to the plate. Benny! God damn it, not this again. Benny! So, yeah. so fu- funny story about that. Uh, so that was written in by the by the writer, and there was talk that the studio or you know people were going to change it. Uh, one of the thoughts was doing Brown Sugar by I don't know if it was Brown Sugar by D'Angelo or Brown Sugar the Rolling by Stones. Rolling Stones, yeah. Uh, but it was just mentioned that Brown Sugar was one of the options. And the writer kept calling, like, the executives, kept calling the director, kept, like, calling anyone they possibly could. And she was just like, you cannot change that song. It's that song for a reason in the script. Keep it in there, keep it in there, keep it in there. And, like, Electric Boobs is actually written in the script. Like, that's how much that that song was supposed to be in this film. Um, Wow. And so, so yeah, luckily they, they kept it in. I thought... I thought that that song was just, that's a great drunken song to sing. Oh, totally. That's a great, what, like, you know, walls down, like, we're going to say, like, because everyone sings the wrong words confidently in that, that damn song. Oh, yeah. And half yeah, Elton songs are like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, because it's Elton John and Bernie Toppin together. Elton writes the music, Bernie writes the words, and neither shall cross. So, like, Elton sometimes doesn't know what words, what the words mean. He just sings them. (laughs) And then Bernie has no say in how the song should sound to the words that he's written. He's just written words. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yes, uh, I just feel like, yeah, that was a really, I I loved Benny and the Jets, and I'm I'm not on the PTSD thing like you, so. Uh, I don't I know like, how yeah. you went to just as many games as I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember most of the. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think it was because it was. I think I had it from a day where I was there with some, like, a, with a friend who brought his very annoying girlfriend. 
Uh, and I was already like at the peak of my patience limits <laughs> of the day. And I was like trying to be a good host and trying to just like be quiet and everything. And then I, like that kept coming on and I'm just like, I'm going to murder someone. I need to leave. I'm in the confines of thousands of people. This is dangerous. <laughs> Benny! Yeah. yeah. So that, that would explain why I have a little extra PTSD, I think. But no, it was a great song for the movie though. It was a great choice. And I mean, hell, it's a great walk-up song, too. It's <coughs> fitting for the guy that was walking up. Like you said, it gets people to drop their inhibitions and just, like, get into the song. So, mm-hmm. yeah, solid for that. This movie even had, like, the big grand gesture at the end, or at least, like, some semblance of one, where she, like, you know, makes the impossible leap across and onto the yacht in her yeah. heels. Yeah. Yeah, I um, was kind of hoping she would fall in the water. I kind of was too. I was like, you know, and and I didn't know how it was gonna go. I think the leap didn't have to have. I get, I get. Rom coms always have to have the chase down scene. I get it. I get it. It's yeah. Written in the in it's, the bylaws of rom com. Yep. I get it. But it didn't have to. Like she didn't have to do this like long jump. I know. Uh, and then she falls after, like, because you notice the steps when they do the zoom in, and it's just funny that she fell on the steps. It was like, okay, that was a good way to make up for it. Exactly. Because I'm yeah. sitting there going, oh, you actually stuck that landing? Not only is that disappointing, but that's unrealistic. And then she immediately <laughs> falls, and you're like, oh, okay, we're good now. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. All right, it made me chuckle. <laughs> um yeah, I there were a lot of parts that made me chuckle too, which was surprising. Yeah, just like dumb parts that I I don't know why I, I chuckled at it, but um, yeah, I yeah. It, what what did you what one thing I have in my notes here though? What did you think? We're and we're just jumping around on this one, folks. You're just gonna have to roll with us, you know. Just keep keep up, you know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of uh, Kevin Doyle kind of liking her slideshow and then giving his speech and giving her a phone and then walking away? I thought it was I, I thought it was I'm not going to lie. I thought it was pretty fucking smooth. <laughs> It was, I think that was, he handled it very well. I personally enjoyed it because I would be the type of sarcastic, sadistic asshole that would find pleasure in watching something like that and would also be attracted to the girl who organized something like that. (laughs) But he says it like he not only shows obvious affection towards her because of it, but he also explains a different take on it, like why it could have been the right mm-hmm. thing to do. And I thought that was important. And then the way he handles his departure, where he just gives her the phone, it's a great gesture. I thought it was a little overboard kind of a gesture, but I'm also thinking about how much, you know, iPhones cost today, but well, I like, liked... I don't think it was an iPhone. I thought it was a Blackberry. 
It, it was. I'm just thinking, like, uh, yeah. you know, transfer to 2008. Well, he did just get a promotion. True. True. But I don't think that would necessarily be the first thing you do with your promotion. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. When you love someone, you <laughs> buy them a phone to <laughs> apologize with with no expectation of anything in return. That's very true. I need to get some people to love me. Fall in love with me, then. That is very true. Here's why the more I think about it, the more I dislike him. Sing, or his speech and phone trick. Um, so, I, when I initially watched it, I was like, okay. Like, he... That was good enough. You know, for the most part. Um, I, I think, like, some of the things he said, like, you deserve to be taken care of, was a fantastic line, and uh, and a great sentiment to to say to her. Um, I thought, you know, just the whole, you know, can you take this, as, you know, getting awkward sort of thing. Right. was kind of fun as well. But if he gives her the phone, is he, like, is it just the phone? Or has he activated it with its own phone plan so he now knows her number or a number to get to her? <laughs> Jesus. What's the what's the background on the phone plan? What's the background of the phone plan? We don't know as a kid, an audience, and that's not okay. Secondly, <laughs> like, like, but I don't secondly, think that was as much of an issue in 2008, but yeah. I see your point. Yeah. Secondly, I mean, like, supporting her and, and just doing something makes sense and all that sort of stuff. But also, it caused... Like, it almost felt like it was a plot device that was put in in order to get Jane to give her speech at the end. So it was just like, they wanted Jane to give a speech to get the guy back. But I just didn't know what she was getting the guy back from, because he's still the one who did the wrong shit. Mm. You know? And so she was the one kind of professing her love to him. At well, the end, it's like, but you know, like, I feel like this should have been a, like a simple thing of if she just literally tapped him on the shoulder, then it would have been on and popping. But instead, she like has to go up to the stage on the boat. Just, it's just like, yeah, I, the, that whole. I, I just felt like the second speech was contrived because the first speech was put where it was. You know what? You know what? I would have much rather seen one little thing from that from her speech scene mm -hmm. that would have mm -hmm. i think made this whole thing work is mm -hmm. when she comes off the stage and he goes get over here yeah i want her to say no you get over here that's horrible why that's corny as fucking horrible now She's know. saying no. She's she's saying no and like taking control of the situation. What's so bad about that? I. You don't think that's that's? I mean, it's a fucking rom com. Of course, it's cheesy. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. It's just. It's too cheesy. It like. Um, cheesier than him saying, "Get over here." Um like more I, I like i felt like 
that line. I thought you would like that line, honestly. When I heard that, I was like, oh, I bet Max likes that line. I mean, I did, uh, but I can acknowledge I it was did. cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was more thinking. Don't get me wrong. I dug it. But if we if, we, if we're going with like the the no thing, but it could be like a different question. Like maybe he asks her a question, just like hey, you know. Like, okay. All right. Well. Like, okay. But you see my you see my point that she says no, like he taught her to not not that he taught her to do it, but that they discussed earlier in the movie that she needed to take control of her life a little more and say no, and focus on her own happiness. I wanted to see yeah. her have one yeah. final gesture of doing that. Yeah, the only line I can come up with right now is is it wouldn't have worked because they wouldn't need to be further along in their relationship in order for it to work. But maybe where he's just like, do you think you could plan one more wedding? And she goes, no. He's like, well, what if it was yours? And then she like gets down a knee and drops down and gives her a ring. Fuck, man. Now I want to see that. Right, like that was a bit like you have to be further along in the relationship. It's, it wasn't that far along. Like that's yeah, probably they still need... about the same speed as uh, her and her, her sister and her boss. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was also impetuous, and it didn't last. Right. Yeah. You know, right. At least for now, we we still have. Uh, you well, know, have right? okay, we could we could have found some ways to to cut time a little bit, you know, and make them do some time lapses or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know what could have been a, what would have been a great way to cut time? Take out the fucking little brother. Like, I get Pedro was in there. Oh, yeah, get... he was kind of pointless. It was pointless. Like, what? so what? He was cleaning the apartment. So what? I, I don't understand. Like, he says he's going to do a cleaning business. So... Obviously, that was a choice on his part. I get, like, Big Brother shouldn't be, like, ex- you know, asking, the, like, Big Brother, Little Brother isn't about having your little sibling clean your house and shit. But if he's turning it into a business, then I feel like that's not a, not a, a not a not okay thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand how it's any different than hiring a kid to mow your lawn, which people do all the time, or... You know, anything like that. So it was like, okay, I don't see what the issue is here. Are you insinuating something else? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just, uh, his character was unnecessary, completely, 100%. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, they would have saved some time. Yeah, I mean, all all his character was there for was to create the scene where you see Tess just mimicking all the interests that George had. That's all. Cause it was happened to be at a little league field, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. You know, but I feel like still, you could have done that differently. Yeah. You could probably have the three of them go to a dinner together. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Or there's like, there's tons of them. other ways to, to achieve that. Yeah. Maybe, I know the office, there was just an engagement party or something like that, but you could probably have like an office, like lunch or something where Tess randomly shows up because George invited her. And then, you know, maybe this office party has like some hors d'oeuvre sort of thing. And then something with meat comes along and then she does the pig and blanket thing. But in that first scene, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm rewriting, I'm rewriting this film that I enjoyed. It's very, that's how my mind works. It's a curse. <laughs> 
but I, th- I think that that's a nice summary of of what this movie meant to us like it was a good movie to watch we enjoyed it but that doesn't mean there aren't some things we would change that's what the fuck a rom-com is everyone have you not been listening to the podcast that's what we've been saying <laughs> god damn right god damn right <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it's odd because like I, I watched the movie i enjoyed it and I don't feel like there's anything else in the plot I really need to talk about. No. Let's just go to The Kiss. I mean, well, The Kiss will lead in some more discussion about uh, something I want to discuss. So, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, what did you think The Kiss in the movie was? Um, I I mean, I would say just the first one between them. Uh, which now I'm struggling to even remember what the setting was. At the bar. Yes. Yeah. 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 When they're when they're drunk. Yeah. Um, I agree. That is the kiss of the film. Although, I think there's three kisses. There's a few. Four. Yeah. There's there's it's definitely technically four kisses that are important in this film. There's one at the, the are... wedding. Their wedding. Obviously. Oh, so then five. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's like the the big cinematic yeah. uh, rom com storybook kiss at the end. Yeah, yeah, the wedding one. No, the get over here. No, like I, I just oh those yeah, two, the get over here one because they didn't lack lock lips that much, and it was just like yeah, it was that, short. I thought you might have chosen that one, and I was gonna I was gonna give you shit for it, but no, you no, didn't. No. You chose the correct one. Uh, but the two important kisses are between George and Jane. Okay. Those kisses are not my choice for the kiss, but I feel like they need to be talked about. Okay. So, like, Jane has put George on a pedestal throughout the film. You're rooting for Jane because Jane, much like her name, plain Jane, you know, that that's the reason they called her Jane in the script. The, oh, writer, shit, really? the, writer, the writer mentioned, like, everyone has a Jane. Jane is all around. That was the idea of the character is that Jane is the, you know, the all purpose, you know, the person oh who's always God. around friend, but never like the star of anything. That makes like, sense. Everyone, everyone has a Jane around, you know, that was what Catherine and I was supposed to be playing, um, which was great. I, I thought they did that well. And I thought that was a good choice for a name, especially after the explanation. So Jane is just this background player to George's life, but she's so integral to it. And he takes advantage of it by just being like, oh, thank you, you know, this and that. But can't right. rec- the only one, as they say early on in the movie, the only person in the office who doesn't recognize that she's in love with George is George. Yeah. Everyone else in the office knows. So, those, so when those kisses happen, it's while she's single, while she's not committed to anyone, and while he's also single, and he's for good reason, stopped a wedding from happening. Right. This is the complete perfect moment for them to get together if they're meant to be together. And I feel like those kisses were the perfect encapsulation of just like, here's your wish fulfillment, and here's your wish not fulfilling. Yeah. You know? that's a fair, I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a very good 
thing to to focus on. And also, it takes away, you know, a segment that I've kept going through most of these episodes. Sometimes there isn't one, but there's always a what happens after ever after question that you can pose. Like, there's been, and I've had wide-ranging theories to, like, very intricate theories that could actually be a part of, they can always come up with a what happens after ever after if you really try hard. Right, right. And the writers and the filmmakers did a very good job of taking that one away by giving the audience, here, motherfuckers, here's your goddamn kiss. It's kind of nice to have things neatly tied up for once. Yeah, and it's very nice for it to tie it up and just be like, yeah, obviously we, this isn't where, where she should go. We obviously, explored that and option, it, and we've yeah. shown you why it doesn't work, so let's move and, on. And I also like that they tied it up in that, and not in a way of like a, they kiss, and then he just kind of looks at her like, you know, what, what, what do you think? Or, you know, like, what are those, like, things? And like right. she, and then they cut away, and she's, like, driving off or doing something else, and everyone thinks, oh, she chose him. But then she, like, ends up with the other guy. And, like, you know, it wasn't, like, a choice between the two. It was an obvious, no, this isn't it. Right. This ain't it. And then... She hears Benny and the Jets on the phone that was given to her by Kevin, and then Benny. she realizes that's it. Yeah. Benny! <laughs> exactly. And when you hear Benny, you know, then, then that's when you know. Benny and the Jets. That's when you know it's love. But anyway, I felt that's like. That's how you kisses, know it's love. <laughs> yeah. I felt like those kisses deserved to be mentioned, but the kiss of the film is the first kiss in the bar between Kevin and Jane. Yes. Um, Fantastic scene as far as, I mean, we've talked about the choice of Betty and the Jets as a song. I know you're not a huge fan of it anymore, but I think that's a fantastic choice of a song. It's a fun scene, much like the scene where they where she's putting on the dresses for him as well. Like, those are corny, cheesy fucking scenes. It's a corny, cheesy rom-com scene. But it didn't matter because it was still fun to watch. Like, I was enjoying myself. I was just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because like, they're 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 ordinary people enjoying those scenes too. Like you can yes, you can put yourself in those situations, like you know, drunkenly partying at a bar, and then like you know, it's a fantastic night. And yeah, it's unrealistic, but at least you can kind of like have fun with it and put yourself in their shoes. And then something else I wrote down, and it was at during the bar scene, but I also thought about it during that dress scene, is that the writers and the filmmakers respect the intelligence of the characters in this film. Like, yeah, where Kevin obviously knows, look, we're not going to get tow truck until tomorrow. So I'm going to have a drink. Would you like to have a drink with me? Sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. these, These people know exactly like what's happening in like these real life events. Like, um, you know, also what I thought in that dress scene, but she's putting them on and as she keeps putting them on and she's like doing little dances and like things like that um, for for Kevin. I feel like that's her a lot like that critic uh, article that I wrote from the or that I not wrote that I read from the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, she's kind of laughing and wincing at her own haplessness like in in those 27 dresses like right, she's kind of right. realizing like jesus what have i got myself into right. these 27 times and like 
so she's kind of making fun of herself and making fun of the situation. It's like that's that you know it, it you have to respect the intelligence of the characters instead of being oblivious to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Totally. They, yeah. I, I, they were they were ordinary people. We weren't watching a rom com about you know like some CEO and some you know wedding planner. You know. Yeah. And they were, it was realistic. It was ordinary people in ordinary situations or not ordinary situations completely yeah. not ordinary. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's why, I mean, personally, that's why I said this, this was a good rom-com template. This was a good, mm-hmm. like it had all the makings of a rom-com mm-hmm. because like, sure. There's things we would improve upon, but it, it all the basic bare bones were there. I, that's why I love about rom-coms. They're like the, they're like the Marvel movies of, love stories there are these ordinary people that are rising above extraordinary circumstances to find each other still that's that's all it is like it's it's that's it's like the heroes of love (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and that's what i like it's like you know they're they're going through these extenuating circumstances throughout the movie like you said the, the you know adapting to the car being stuck and everything and just making the most of it. Like, Hey, we're here. Let's fucking make the most of it. And look what happens. It turns into a great night and you have your great first kiss. Mm-hmm. And that Which I would turns, like, I would much rather the prefer- first butt. <laughs> in a car. Yeah. Like, what is this high school? Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. So I agree. And, so as far as the the kiss is concerned, I just love the setup of the scene all the way from initially talking about like the articles that he's written. I also like that she finds out that he writes that he writes the articles that she likes, but she there's still an extra little thing that turns into the you know the turning point of the film. Where not that he's a you know the writer that she liked like that wasn't added to the article he was writing you know what i'm saying right like like the article that he was writing was the reason why she gets pissed off at him and, and right, why we right. moved to the third act of the film but you know the fact that he also wrote everything that she liked reading in the commitment section that was also given its own time it yeah. wasn't just put in combination with wait, you're a writer and you wrote this about me. Oh my, like it wasn't all at once. Like, right. Yeah. There were a couple little twists and turns throughout the movie that I liked. And and I like that pacing because then in the, in the bar, it allows for walls to come down when she starts talking to him about these articles that she loves so much. And then as he's drunk and drunkenly done singing Betty the Jets with her and like (laughs) has her in his arms, then he talks about, I cried at that wedding that you just asked me about. And like, (laughs) And then they also, you know, both love looking at the groom uh, as he's right. looking for the bride. Yeah. And so it's just like, of course, they're going to just start making out hard. And then yeah. they start making out hard. Like, it wasn't a state because, like, yeah. they just start making the fuck out. It's yeah. like, that is exactly what happens. It, so totally. Overall, I'd give this kiss an A. It was, a, it was top match. Absolutely. I was waiting. I was waiting to see if you were going to give it an A because that's, fuck yes, that's what I'd give it. This is a fantastic kiss. I agree. It was top notch, and then like in the straight, and it leads to them like boating in the car. Like it's 
like that is a very common situation right there where we respected the intelligence and the humanity of these characters. That is a very human reaction and I don't, situation. I, I don't know how common boning in the car afterwards is, but... <laughs> well, when you feel that way about... I, I like, know. I'm, ki- I'm just kidding. kidding. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, that I mean, feeling. Totally. Yeah, because sometimes it's, you know, in an alley behind a dumpster, you know? Jesus! But yeah, that's... As far as what happens after ever after, I, I, I think it's a quick one. I don't think we even think, need one, do we? I think it's a common one. I, I feel like Tess and George do end up together after that one, after Kevin and Jane's wedding. I did like that they gave her a little bit of redemption and she got yeah. to be more of her real self. Yeah. It, it's just, I mean, they had to do, they made her the antagonist. They made her so shitty as far as Tess is concerned and like that you Which just she didn't really and didn't then, earn well and so and then like and then her apology in the hardware store sucked oh ass oh my god yeah just like i was like i i was trying to say jane hit her like <laughs> you just hit her you didn't hit her enough when you were kids like hit her <laughs> uh, no but <laughs> but then uh, like then it breaks down in the hardware store where she's just like, I was trying to be more like you, this and that. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we both have insecurities, yada, yada. It's like, as an audience member, I'm not okay with that. But as, like, those characters as humans, that is a very understandable reaction that you have to accept, especially when it's a sibling. Like, just like, God... Okay, I get it. I get that this is the root cause of this. Stop being such a bitch because of this. Like, I just <laughs> don't be such a bitch to me right now. So, so yeah. So her having that moment of just like, yeah, I'm, you know, like reintroducing herself to George. Yeah, I that was it was nice. a nice redemption. Like yeah, I said, especially... they they tied a lot of stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, although I, I, I think it would have been fun if George had to date. I just had to see that. <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> like, or, yeah, or to see, like, I don't know. Yeah, it'd, be, yeah, it'd, be nice, yeah. it'd be nice to see, like, in the future of, like, uh, Jane and Kevin, like, double dating with, like, Tess and George. And to kind of see george and jane's relationship now without jane consistently pining over him true god that's such a that's such a convoluted dynamic they have going on though yeah rom-coms tend to do that with siblings rom-coms get very incestuous Mm mm-hmm jesus anyway what would you let's get to the verdict here what what's your verdict on this film uh, I'd fuck it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a solid one. I I would definitely. I would consider upgrading that after a few more times watching it. I think I would need to see it more, but it's a solid movie. What about you? Well, I 
thought to myself a particular verdict when it was finished. I've had a couple hours to think it over. I'm going to hang on to that same thought. Okay. How to marry this film. Damn. I really fucking liked this film. I really liked it. It was just fun. And it was, you know, and as I mentioned, like the writing of the characters and just like their human qualities, that's what I like most about rom-coms. It's just like just seeing humans be human. Yes. Like I, that interests me. Yeah. And like watching them try to react in situations regarding love, like because love is a universal thing, but it's also it can be very fucking messy. So. Right. And you seeing know, how humans traverse that whole frontier is yeah. is interesting. To, and, and it's it's educational for us to figure out as well. Like in order to learn more about our struggles with love, we need to watch others. Yeah, I agree. And you learn about yourself just as much as the characters learn about themselves when the writing's good like this. Yeah. You know? And yeah. like the whole people pleasing aspect like i didn't necessarily like i haven't been like a groomsman in a bunch of weddings but i've been invited to many weddings i've been the you know the 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 quote-unquote party in a lot of wedding receptions you also officiated a wedding i officiated a wedding uh i mentioned you know my wingman story from a wedding no there's a lot of you know wedding situations that i've been a part of that you know i you know did you know, did the dang thing, but at the same time, not close to my own wedding. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah, just I like, that's, that's a, that's another was... universal feeling for a lot of people. Like everyone's been to weddings. Yeah. Everyone's had experiences and stories. So, which I think is why this movie resonates with the, with the, you know, the cult following that it has yeah. and which is why it made so much of the box office and that people talk about this film in a positive light. Um, even though, a lot of people would lampoon it based off of just the name, the star, and the fucking right. uh, DVD cover. Like, as, oh, that rom-com bullshit, you know? Yeah. But it's not. So It's a solid movie. I definitely agree. It's solid. Yeah. So I admire it. Uh, I'll probably watch it again at some point. Maybe I'll watch it again later tonight. I have there it rented. I have it rented for another you know, I think it was hours. a solid, solid uh no, you have it for two days, don't you? Yeah, 48 hours. Oh, I thought you said eight hours. Um, I think it was a solid way to end the wedding season, too. Solid way to end wedding season. That is correct. And before we go further into that, uh, you can follow us on socials. Our show Instagram is Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can see every week uh, the movie poster of the episode and letting you know that the episode's up and going. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod, um, and then you can also follow me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. You know they put uh, reruns of Supermarket Sweep on Netflix. And I saw that. And people have been watching them, <laughs> and like it's it's getting some like tread. So it's always funny when I see tweets of like people I follow like say shit about supermarket sweep and then i like to leave like hearts and likes on tweets that i you know that i just i right. enjoy like, like oh 
I agree with you or, Oh, that's funny. I laughed or like, yes, totally needs to be thought of like, right. Just anything that sparks a reaction inside of me, I'll leave a heart. So I always think to myself, they're going to look and they're going to see that it was like liked by at supermarket suite. <laughs> like this, this tweet about supermarket sweep was liked by at supermarket sweep and I, they probably think oh my god the show's got an account <laughs> no, not just some random dude who lives in chicago <laughs> not random not random not, not random. anyway <laughs> um and then also my instagram is uh relusa88 that's r-e-l-u-s-a-8 i also have a tiktok but i don't do anything on it so you have a it. TikTok? I created a TikTok in order to watch TikToks. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I well, I have an it. Instagram at the Lionhearted, T H E, period, L Y O N H E A R T E D. Fantastic. And should so. We, should we do more with our Instagram page? Like, should it be I, more than just the posters? I mean, if we ever want to get beyond tens and tens of listeners who we love and appreciate so much, um, Probably should, but at the same time, meh. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But maybe it'd be worth like. We'll we'll get there, guys. I mean, this obviously is more of a passion project than it is a project that we're looking to get completely off the ground and make, you know, tons of money off of. Right. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, But nonetheless. Nonetheless. Max, even though this technically was a film that you chose. As we discussed on the draft way back on my best friend's wedding on the my best friend's wedding episode, we switched the dates of my big fat Greek wedding and twenty seven dresses so that twenty seven dresses could be released on July twenty seventh. So technically, you're up to choose the next film, and we're out of wedding season. So right. have you given thought as to what you would like to see? I have. Um. Uh, you know, this is a lot of pressure because this is changing the next or this is choosing the next direction. Yeah. But I'm going to be a simple bitch about it. And I'm going to go with a very logical choice, which is just another Katherine Heigl movie. Interesting. And I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> about the ugly truth. So this is the film. It's in 2009, so it's actually the next film after 27 Dresses for Captain Heigl. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, then it makes so even more we, sense. We are chronologically continuing the Captain Heigl train. Uh, I, I will say this. I've seen it once. So. All right. <laughs> next, week, <laughs> next week, we'll find out if once was enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch it again. I honestly, I have to watch it again. But I remember, especially thinking, now that we've watched Twenty Seven Dresses. Now, now that both of us have that context, it would yes. be, I think it would be good to pair with because I have I, I have it, pre-existing expectations for Ugly Truth as well, and I want I, to pair. Yeah, I remember laughing at bits, and there's a particular bit that I laughed at a lot that. I want to save for that pot. So, okay. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about it then. But until then, 
for the tens and tens of listeners. Hope y'all appreciate this episode. We love you. And we will talk to y'all next week. Love you guys. Stay safe.